You're listening to Sabbat Shalom with Brother Doug on Open Minds Radio. To follow Doug on Instagram, at d.is4doug, that's the number four. To follow Mark, at tincan.telephone. To follow the Sabbat Shalom netcast page, at sabbat.shalom. To follow Open Minds Radio, at Open Minds Radio. And be sure to check out Open Minds Radio online at www.openmindsradio.com. Now stay tuned for Sabbat Shalom with Brother Doug. Enjoy! So, you've been, uh, you've been a busy guy. Well, yeah, I mean, busy in the sense of been doing nothing. Well, you've you know been a hard mean? guy like to get a hold of, and... let me put it that way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we've been, we went on a family vacation, and uh, then I went on a an old boys trip, as they say, and... Well, yeah, I've been toiling in the in the salt mines of of uh, Open Lines Radio. Yeah, I saw uh, mining content. You've been off gallivanting. Yeah. I, I have. It's been been kind of nice. That's what summer's for, man. It's good. That's what it's for. Good stuff. Yeah. <laughs> totally. So yeah, it's been good. What? Uh, we. Uh, did you learn anything what? about yourself? Oh, I wish so, so hard that I, um, sometimes when I have downtime, I can be introspective and reflective and, uh, I don't feel like I, um, gained any, any great insight, but it's been nice to just, uh, do nothing and take it easy for a little bit. That's maybe that's the big, the big key to learn is sometimes it's good just to let it all go. Yeah. Yeah, I love doing nothing. Yeah, I do too. I really do too. The hard part about doing nothing is um, all of a sudden when you have to do something after doing nothing for a long time, something is really hard. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, it's hard to get it's motivated like, oh, to start it. But, yeah. but usually once you get going yeah. in something, the nothing melts away. Yeah, it does. It does. There's a, there's, I, I've always said there's a lot to momentum. And it's just, uh, once you build momentum, it's just fine. But, uh, just getting that rock rolling. I never, I never thought of it as doing nothing, building momentum to do nothing or building momentum, doing nothing, but it's really true. It does. Um, wait, what do you say? So, so so even though you're doing nothing, that nothing has, uh is building momentum. And so it's oh, hard. I, so when you have to switch, nothing is already plowing at such this great rate of speed that it's kind of hard. It's hard to switch gears to something again. You just never think of nothing having momentum. Yeah, it's funny because when I was saying I was saying the other way around, but that actually makes a lot of sense. I was saying that like it, you've gone from nowhere and you have to like push this thing to end up building momentum to do something. And that's hard, but once you build momentum, it's not. But I think you're right. Doing nothing has its own momentum, right. and that it's like hard to stop it. Yep. Or, yeah. or, or maybe it just has a lot of uh, friction, yeah. and it's hard to start something else. That's I true. guess it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. At the end of the day, it's just nice to do nothing. Yeah. But uh, so yeah, I've been uh, just taking it easy. Taking a nice little July off. Nice. You could do... yeah. How about you? Uh, I haven't been doing nothing. 
Um, been yeah. really busy. Mm-hmm. Um, that's okay. It's all right. I'm I'm yeah. I'm kind of in the place where the the momentum of busyness is just um, pulling it along effortlessly. Yeah. So. Yeah. I'm not struggling well, to some... be busy. It's just the way right. it is right now. Yeah, that's a, that's actually kind of a nice little homeostasis to be in sometimes. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <clears throat> so, well, you must have had some ideas. Yeah. Pop well, into your head while you've been doing nothing. Yeah, I've been I've started reading this book <clears throat> for work, and it's like a it's like a leadership book, and it's called um, The Power of Moments. And the idea behind it is essentially that moments matter. Yeah. And so I'm going to set up the premise of this just because, and then we can kind of go there, but just kind of give you an idea of like why this is in my brain. But uh, the idea is that, you know, we have these, these moments in life that matter. And in fact, like we, when we look back at life, we don't, we're not really good at, um, remembering all the details what we tend to remember like the the peaks or the pits you know what i mean and all the other just stuff in the middle often fades away with time and 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 so the whole premise of this book is to say hey when you're in leadership uh you you take advantage of these different times to create moments to build morale and yada yada all this stuff and so i've been reading it because you know, with the teachers I work with and the students I work with looking at that. But what is interesting about it is um, uh, it kind of says there's there's natural there's natural times to um, kind of create defining moments like like a, a transit and, and all cultures have these these uh, kind of celebrations or commemorations around certain events. So like around uh, milestones uh, you, you have a graduation milestone or or um like a retirement celebration those kind of things are you could be seen as, as milestones that people stop and and take a moment to reflect and celebrate and commemorate and all that crap and or transitions are another one um like like the new year celebration that we do every year. It's a transition from one year to the next. And we take a moment and we're reflective and all that crap. And, um, and then it also mentioned, so you have like transitions are good times to have these, these moments, um, like reflective moments and kind of make them meaningful, uh, milestones and then pits. So like basically when stuff is shitty. Um, and so funerals are an example of that, right? where we take a moment and commemorate the loss of somebody we cared about and all that. Anyway, so I've been, been reading about this, these, um, these things for, for work and what it has got me thinking about, um, is it has this kind of category of, um, defining moments, you know, we say this is a, people say that all the time, you know, and this was a really defining moment for me. Right. And <clears throat> it kind of got me thinking about defining moments. And, and I mean, the book has its own thing, like what it what it categorizes. But like, what when you think of a defining moment, what do you intuit that means? Well, defining moments usually aren't planned moments. It seems like yeah, it's it's yeah. And, and I'm and I'm like I'm wondering too, like that book that you're reading, is it talking about capitalizing on moment or 
on mo like creating moments or capitalizing on planned moments or recognizing when yeah. a moment is occurring so you can make the most out of that moment? It's it's all three of them. It, it, it's all of that is what it's saying. Okay. It's, it's saying that, that like, um, one, they sometimes are just happenstance, right? But other times, like, we can we can try to find moments to strategically create these moments to, to um, you know, build morale or whatever. But I think those are different from, like, really defining moments. Like, that feels different to me than, like, hey, we're going to yeah. feel good about life. Yeah. With these moments. You know what I'm saying? I think defining moments are usually feel like those they're those those things that kind of come unexpectedly where it's kind of like your reaction to what happens in that moment is what defines like like you're able to build on that or or yeah sink from that you know like like these things that happen that are that are that kind of require action and did mm -hmm. you take the right action right moving forward yeah. from that moment yeah. See, and I, I look at it too. Like, I, I, so I've been I've been thinking about, you know, it, again, the book goes into like how to how to how to use these moments, right? And that's I'm not too interested in sitting and talking about that. But what I am interested in is like this thought of like reflecting on like I, I guess what I'm saying is when I define a defining moment, to me, it's like a moment that. Um, maybe has big impact like it maybe changes your perspective a little bit on life i guess or it's a moment you really learn something about yourself and so i got thinking about my own defining moments and um i'm just kind of curious because when i think about my defining moments and I, usually it's the shit you know what i mean it's like the it's like the the rough patches um that really defined me and there are very few moments as i reflect that are super super joyous like acute moments not to say like i haven't had joy in life and there's not a lot of wonderful things in life but the moments that really define me like i i think i remember for example when my son was born um and it's like you're just it's, it's like the the classic moment of you're holding your your firstborn and you're just staring in the eyes of this this baby and that moment was super super defining to me um and that was a positive moment right right but then there's these other moments that um that, that i kind of reflect on that were really really hard or challenging but i learned a, just a, a ton about myself and and i don't know like i'm wondering is that is that normal maybe that's why i'm always so depressed <laughs> you know what i mean it's like it's like the shit the shit is what what defined me but uh, you think of like the moments in your life that really kind of make you who you are, make Chad Chad. You know what I mean? <laughs> like what, what, what are they? Is it the good stuff or is it the trials? Well, I mean, the good stuff is so few and far between in life that it's like I was saying. It's like it's like how you react to the shit, basically. It's uh -huh. it's, it's these moments where where. It, I mean, where you have to dig down and find strength, and you right. recognize in yourself, oh, I got this. You know what I mean? It's yeah. And, you know, I mean, you can look at it in career. It's these moments where, you know, like maybe like you had this big meeting and you weren't prepared, but you still stepped up and 
killed it or maybe you were did prepare for once and that was a defining moment or I don't know yeah. when I look at my my own defining moments it's 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 in the shit usually and, yeah. and how I how I overcame the shit how how you how you don't yeah. let the shit take you down yeah I think and when you uh, do t- let that? it take you down like that's a defining moment too that's where like you kind of recognize yourself as a failure you know yeah see and i'm beginning to i don't i don't know if that's normal man you don't think so <laughs> you know what i mean I, I i almost wonder i bet there are people out there who um and maybe maybe i'm i'm wrong maybe it's actually a lot more normal than possible but um sometimes i have a pessimistic pessimistic outlook on certain things right and i i i do wonder if that is um and, and, you know, I guess a lot of my defining moments were when I was younger, I would say. I, I don't feel like I've had too many, um, like, ultra-defining moments. The the older I get, it feels like you almost establish kind of who you are. And now you're just, I guess, growing and maturing, hopefully. But they're not as, like, momentous, not these huge momentous um, things. And, and maybe that's wrong too. Maybe it's just my own personal experience. No, I think but I like, think the older you get and the more you experience, the more you are able to um, predict what's going to happen next because you've actually experienced mm-hmm. life and you kind of you kind of gain this knowledge of a plus b equals c, and you're able to kind of start seeing a and b taking shape. So you're able to kind of predict c. So like you're able to kind of like go around moments. You know, <laughs> these moments don't yeah, occur. You yeah. circumvent the shitty moment because you see it happening and I think that's just as that's just life experience that's the same way like when everyone says the older they get it seems like time moves faster it's because there's so much everything's so predictable you know you're seeing it happen before it it happens yeah well and that's why I say like when you know well I guess I guess if you look at like are there are there people out there do you think there are people out there who um Really, their defining moments growing up were optimistic and positive. I mean, probably, but I think the the happy moments are usually so few and far between. Like that's what everybody's striving for. Everybody's like just wait. Like those little moments of joy are what keep you going through the shit. But I think for the most part, for people that are just in the thick of life. No, it's 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 the the tough times that define you, and you know that that doesn't yeah. mean. And I guess it does go either way. I think I know people who use their tough life as an excuse. You know, well, yeah. I've had this rough life. You know, I've, I'm the way I am because right. that's how my parents were, and this is what I was taught. You know, and and you know, I've I I was born a Capricorn, so this is who I am. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, and, yeah. And yeah. and when real the reality of it is is like no, it's like you've got to like excel in spite of that yeah well and and uh you know i think it probably is i I think what's what's kind of tainting uh my my view on is is this normal right is i just since i've been reading this i've been reflecting a lot on like okay what are the defining moments and um like there's a there's a like a really key defining moment from when I was when I was younger and uh, I don't know, I don't want to get like all the details of it but it was like super super impactful on me 
and I just had, you know, we've talked about our stepdad and stuff in the, in the, in the previous episodes and, and how, um, he could be kind of an asshole. Right. And, um, and he could be pretty physical. And I, I, there was just a, a, a defining moment that stood out from that, that I've, um, from that experience with him that just has been kind of this has, has keeps on surfacing back in my life. And I don't know that I get, I guess I'm saying it's tainted because like I'm, I keep on going to that one and maybe that's not normal. Well, is it something that you think that you learned from his, like you, as something you learned how to not be? No, no. So like, I I guess I'll, I I guess I'll just explain what it was. So I'm hesitant because it's not, and for hell, I mean, I have such a bad memory. I may have already talked, (laughs) I may have already talked about this, but, um, it's just, he was, he, I I saw him hurt mom. Yeah. Right. And then, uh, and I'm a 12 year old kid. And then she came out of the room. He stormed off. He came out of the room. And then I walked with, with mom into the family room and held her while she sobbed in my arms. And it was like this, it was this very, very, um, just defining moment of my life where like, I, I, I can point to that moment and say like, I no longer felt like a child. Yeah. I, I, you know what I mean? I was, I was already, I was already becoming a teenager anyway. And you know, that's like such a transitional time, but like it was, it was so emotionally impactful on me that, um, it just changed my whole worldview. It changed my perspective of him. You know what I mean? Like I knew he was an a-hole the whole time we were, he was around, right. He, he argued with you and, and, uh, our other brother and, and mom and stuff. But like, that was the moment like where everything just changed. And then my perspective, just perspective on life changed. And it even came back. Like, like I remember, um, when I was in college, we had to do this. Um, uh, I was in a public speaking class and we had to do biography. Right. And we had to talk about ourselves and I didn't share that particular story, but like I shared the mess. And, um, which now I'm almost kind of embarrassed of like, like in this setting, there's a little bit of anonymity, but like there I'm standing in front of people and, you know, and anyway, but like it kept on resurfacing as this, like, when I look at bi- biography, like I'm defining who I am. Like this is, this is where I came from. I'm, I keep going back to the, the turmoil of that stuff. So anyway, not to sit and digest all that, but, um, Anyway, I just think those those moments are are hugely impactful. But I, I think, like, and, yeah, but <clears throat> that's also how you react to the moment. Like you, you you take that moment as kind of like the moment you stepped into adulthood. You know, like like you yeah. were the one that was there to comfort. And I think that's a big thing too, is like being the one who's there to comfort. And and I think that's just part of the makeup of our family. At least the the men of our family, not not the extended family like you and Ryan and me you know what I mean like just like the the, uh, yeah, the, yeah. the sons of our dad I don't know why yeah. because he's kind of such a aloof I don't want to call him a piece of shit but <clears throat> if you look back at the big picture he's a piece of shit you know it's like we've right, all kind right, of like right. we've all kind of like I, I kind of feel like like because of these these things that happen I mean and there was never anything completely traumatic you know 
Like, right, it was still right. pretty, at least for me, like, you you kind of went through a little bit more shit. I was already kind of out of the house when big changes mm-hmm. happened. But, but there's, there's just kind of this, this thing, this, this natural ability almost to comfort and recognize that because like our mom, that was probably, that was a defining moment in her life too. But like, she kind of went nowhere from like, you know what I mean? Like that was kind of the moment Mm -hmm. where she decided she was going to basically close up shop and never let anybody in again. You know what I mean? And it's been what, 30 years more yeah 30 years yeah. or so and she's yeah, 20 25 30 and yeah. she's never let anybody else in again yeah including her yeah, own kids true. and yeah, and and i've i've i have kind of this series of moments of comforting people like like that like that's probably that that was probably the that was the first moment where you realized just my presence brings comfort you know mm-hmm. and and yeah. mine kind of my moments kind of circle around death of right. on on the other side of the family on our dad's side of the family these people who basically when our parents got divorced said they didn't say it it just kind of happened where they were like well your dad's not coming around and we're not coming around either <laughs> you know mm-hmm. but there are these mm-hmm. these moments these and and i think the reason they're such defining moments for me is because I didn't see this fam- this part side of the family much, except for when someone was dying. And like we yeah. have an have an uncle. <clears throat> I was in. I already had at least one kid at this point. Probably just I just had the mm-hmm. one I think. And I remember coming home from Disneyland from a family trip, and having a message <laughs> on my answering machine from our cousin saying, "My dad's going. He wants you to be here." And it was a four-hour drive, you know, mm-hmm. and I just got back on, I just got off a plane and jumped in the car and drove yeah. down there. And I didn't get there in time. He died about an hour before I got there, but the family, his, his body was still in the room in the hospital and the family was all gathered around. And I feel like I walked, I feel like walking in that door was this, there was a sigh of relief. Yeah, and then our yeah. grandfather died <laughs> and I went down to visit him and it was the same thing. I felt like. I, he was in a in a home and he had been unconscious for weeks or a week or something. And I walked in and I sat down and I go, "Hey, Grandpa!" And he he kind of like sat up and goes, "Hey, hi, how, how you doing?" And went right back into it. And like they're like, "That's the first thing he's said in a week." And then like yeah. the next day he goes, and then it was the yeah. same thing with our grandmother. I walk in and hold her in my arms as she dies, and that's really yeah. powerful things, you know. And then yeah. and then when our yeah. our grandfather died on the on our other mm-hmm. side. I remember mm-hmm. at that point I hadn't seen that side of the family much. Mm-hmm. And I remember walking from, because, like, you, know, you know, they do like the whole family prayer thing in the little room before we go into the funeral. Yeah. And I remember like walking into the, the chapel of this church, our whole family, our cousins and everything walking in and our grandma just walking by herself. Yeah. And I walked up and put my arm around her and kind of walked in with her. Mm-hmm. And I thought, come on, I was, I was sitting there going, come on, please somebody somebody other than me go to her like i this isn't my job like i at this point like i'm kind of estranged you know <laughs> and, and nobody would and so i did and it was so awkward but i just still felt this all right i'm gonna do it you know yeah and and i just i just yeah. kind of I, I that's kind of the way i feel um 
I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is about. Like, I think that's kind of like we just have this power to bring comfort to shitty, even saying nothing. You don't even yeah. have to speak. Right. Well, and that's, I think, you know, people often around death struggle to even know what to say. And sometimes you, yeah, you just don't even have to and say it's like, anything. I, and I, my, my public speaking, like my, my ability, I think, and my, 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 my ability, my, my dissolving of my fear of public speaking has come from speaking at funerals, man. I kill at funerals. I slay you know? <laughs> and because of that. I'm, I, I can talk anywhere. I'm, I'm not afraid to talk. Yeah. I mean, my, I, I'll go, I can stand up in front of a crowd and talk to anybody. I mean, I might, I'm, it's, I'm not saying I'm not nervous and I'm not yeah, saying that yeah. I'm not, I don't black out the whole thing and afterwards walk off going, Oh, I should have said this. I should have said this, but right, right. I'll still do it. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, so like there are those defining moments where, where, and and that's not, I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's centered. It just seems like, it just seems like defining moments are always like, look at a superhero. When does a Mm -hmm. superhero decide to become a superhero? It's usually when a family member gets killed. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) Well, there's, that's, that's kind of like the, you know, there's always got to be a, a foil of some sort or some sort of, uh, um, catalyst that that brings about change. Yeah, and I guess that's what I guess that's what makes it defining in many ways. Um, just seems unusual. There's, man. there's seems no unusual story without conflict. The, yeah, like we, we and, and I guess we thrive on stories. Sometimes, sometimes it's you know, like I, I look at a very defining moment for me is um, just my whole uh, like faith journey, crisis of faith thing. And that on one hand, I wouldn't look at that as a negative experience, but on the other hand, it was really, really hard, you know, to, to, to basically challenge your own, your own dogma to um, come in conflict with doubts within your own belief and structure of, of like how you view the world and the universe and to like what was the hardest part was it was it actually um having to change what you believed in or, or was it actually the 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 morphing of what you believed in or was it really the worry of letting down family members it was two parts i think the, the i think it was it was actually probably both um at first, you know, because at first it was, I mean, I was I actually believed. And there were elements of, of belief that didn't square with me, but I was able to kind of compartmentalize those of saying, okay, so here's this thing, like, like the age of the earth and all that kind of stuff was where it started. Right? I just, I couldn't buy the, the 7,000-year-old earth and no, you know, Adam and Eve. Adam being the original, you know, I, I just, and, and not squaring with evolution. I, I, that was really hard for me, but I was able to kind of set that aside and be like, okay, one, one day that'll all be understood. Um, but I still had belief in like a savior and all those kind of things. And, um, like over a period of time coming in contact with, with, uh, more and more doubts just about the beliefs in general. Um, 
started with those things and then just morphed all the way down into um, uh, even a belief in Jesus. And um, ultimately, like my definition of what God is. And that was hard um, in the sense that it was it was there was cognitive dissonance, right? Like you're holding two different things at once and trying to figure out. So that was the challenge um, was, was just how does this all square? It wasn't the, but that wasn't, it wasn't the 12 year old wife. (laughs) Well, that's what started it for me. Part of it as well (laughs) that, you know, but that actually the, here's the, here's the strange thing about that. I mean, here I, here I, I lived in Utah most of my life. I, you know, we didn't have the most traditional upbringing, Mormon upbringing, but like I went to church pretty regularly and I didn't encounter that stuff till, till later. You know I mean, like I had to go searching to find that stuff. And, and so, you know, then that's what I'm saying. Like once you start to encounter, it's like more and more, it's like, Whoa, hold on, hold on. All these pieces aren't fitting for me anymore. And, but that wasn't like, it wasn't painful. It was more like, it was just uncomfortable because it's if you're trying to figure it out and you're and so that was the challenge what was painful to me was um feeling like i have no place i have no community that understands me like i for so long i tried to go to church and um tried to make it work or just keep my mouth shut or try to be positive or just and i just can't do it like I, I just i cannot i i um my mental health cannot handle that I can't go in there and just encounter things I don't believe and just like be cool with it, you know? And so, um, I, that was, was hard just cause you didn't, I didn't feel like I had a people, you know what I mean? Um, that was the like emotionally hard part. And even now, like, I don't want to go to church. (laughs) There's no part of me that's like, Oh man, Sundays, I wish I could go to church. But like, there's still like not, there's not, I don't know. There's not too many people that I can just sit and talk about this weird kind of middle place I'm in where I still value certain things, but don't believe, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's, it is, I mean, they say it's family based, the Mormon church, but I don't know that it is, Uh but in reality but if you take the things that are on the surface that they say it is those things are pretty good you know the the the, the, the marketing part when you know when they're when they're when they're marketing it to non-mormons trying to get the mormons like that stuff's cool well but it's the underlying stuff it's when you get into the reality of it and it's like and you start looking at the origins of it where you're like hmm (laughs) Well, here's here's I, I actually listened to a TED talk this week. Um, it's from this longitudinal study um, done out of Harvard. It started during World War Two and um, had like 700 um, men that they it was a study on on happiness. And they had, they had like 700 men that they had followed and surveyed every two years and took um, like hearts you know, and brain scans and and did these studies on them every two years and interviewed with their families and just kind of like gathered all this data. And there's still maybe like less than 50 or so alive today. And, and so it's this, it's, 
there's a ton of data, 75 years of data. And the thing that the correlations that they found, the, the big theme that really stands out time and time again is that one of the biggest factors for happiness um, is meaningful social relationships. That that is one of the, the biggest factors. And that's and you, there can even be conflict. They they talk about like in like families or couples that have um, husband and wife where they bicker all the time, but they still feel understood and, and valued by each other that they are, they can still be happy even though they bicker a lot. And I, that's where I think, um, with, with churches in general, um, they don't have to be, you know, quote unquote accurate because they, they provide value to the people who like people get something out of yeah, it because there are often, it's a built in yeah. community. Right. And, you know, and, and let alone the whole thing, you know, we've talked about in the past that, you know, my whole thing is sometimes uh, if you want to have profound, meaningful experiences, sometimes you just have to give yourself permission to have those things and you can have them. And, and so if you are a believer, you kind of have this natural medium to give yourself permission to to have experiences. And so I think like people do have meaningful experiences with within Mormonism or Catholicism or Buddhism or, or you know, whatever Islam and, and, and the like, I've had meaningful experiences because I was full on believing. And so, um, but I don't think that was because that particular religion was the one and only truth. I think it was because I let myself get in that headspace. Right. That's what, you know what ritual I mean? brings. That's what, like anything, like right. even like magic ritual, like the, this ritual right. of the spell, the mag it's that's the spell you know the magic spell the right it's it's this ritual we love ritual mm -hmm. you think and if, especially yeah. if you see other people doing this ritual you know that you're part of doing mm -hmm. secret code yeah well and, and you you feel a sense of belonging and it's like it's fulfilling it's fulfilling until it's not right <laughs> you know what i mean and then when it's not fulfilling holy shit it is not fulfilling and so you know kind of bringing it back to defining moment, that was a hugely defining moment for me because it changed my whole, you know, quote unquote eternity. Yeah. Like, like my, my perspective on, on everything changed. Um, but I feel so much more at peace with myself. If I'm hundred percent honest, I feel incredibly at peace with myself because like I, I know that I don't know the answers and I'm comfortable with that, but I've also given myself permission to like speculate on what I think it is and it's okay to not be right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's anyway, it just, yeah, my, my, yeah. I can, I can go by my defining moment. Now, since we're going to talk about, since we're talking about defining moments, I can pinpoint my defining mo moment of, of leaving, you know, I was, I was, I was a, a kid. So like, I wasn't like able to make these, <clears throat> choices but in my head I had left you know what I mean mm -hmm. Four, mm -hmm. 14 years old I'm I'm not you know our parents are divorced I'm not getting up for church I'm going to church but I'm walking in one door and walking out the other door and coming back at night or coming back at night coming back at the end mm -hmm. and you know so all, all the all the the men of the neighborhood have to take it upon themselves to like rat me out you know your son wasn't in sunday school today 
And then they see yeah. they see you after it's over. Sure, missed you in Sunday school. To, you know what I mean? It's like, God, yeah. shut, you know. Yeah. But so yeah. our dad, our dad who had left our mother <laughs> after yeah. multiple times cheating on her. Mm-hmm. And never came around. Like he was, he was the dad that would like be like, "I'm gonna come take you for a hamburger." And this was before cell phones, you know, before yeah, pagers yeah. even, or, or he, he didn't have one. Yeah. And it's like, and you're just sitting there waiting for him. And then like yeah. three hours later, he calls and says, "Oh, sorry, I'm not gonna be able to make it." Like th- this guy, this is the right. guy that was enlisted to talk to me about getting my shit together, going and taking church seriously. I remember mm-hmm. sitting in the car with him in the parking lot of Burton Elementary in Kingsville, yeah. Utah. And having yeah. him and he said, our dad said to me, you know, at this rate you're going, you're not going to go on a mission. Uh-huh. And that was the first moment I realized I didn't have to go on a mission. Yeah. You know? and I was like, I'm like, wait a minute. Do you mean to tell me that if I keep up at this rate, I don't have to go on a mission? <laughs> At 19 and that was it that was i checked out i was i was like i'm done i'm out i don't have to do it at this rate i'm not gonna yeah. go i'm not i'm just not gonna go yeah and yeah. and so i was lucky enough that i was young but you know there was still like i still grew up being the kid who wasn't involved like i, did, I had no interest in any of those activities none of the youth activities i didn't really care for yeah. the kids in the yeah. neighborhood that were part of the church and right. i like it was kind of shitty. Like those people were pretty shit. Adults were shitty to me because I didn't yeah. go to church. Like I remember walking home from school in the snow uphill mm-hmm. and a minivan <laughs> pulling up and the kid I was um, walking with would jump yeah. in the minivan and they'd leave and let me walk all the, they were driving right oh, past man. our house. And then like our mom just doesn't under like, what, 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 what is it with you in the church? And it's like, these people are assholes. Yeah. And I remember, well, don't let the people define the church for you. And it's like, that's what it is. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what are you talking about? It's defined by yeah. the people who are, are in your yeah. congregation, you know? Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so yeah, that was, there, there are several defining moments when it comes to the, the Mormon church, but they're, they're all kind of younger. The, the older yeah. one for me, which actually brought anger, you know, like, I'd been out of the church, hadn't gone right. to church, but the thing that made me as an adult, as a 30-year-old adult, have my, like, send my letter in to get my name taken from the records, Yeah, was just doing genealogy. Uh-huh. And, and we have this ancestor, Patty Sessions. Right. That we've I've heard about my whole life. We have a, like every everyone every family everyone's got a copy of the the, the journal. She was the midwife yeah. that came across the place. The, Mor- the Mormon midwife, yeah. She basically she basically gave birth or not gave birth, but was the the midwife to the first who knows thousand maybe members who were born into the Mormon Church. Yeah. And we've always had these. It's always been like this is our ancestor. This is a direct ancestor. And then I found yeah. out she was married to Joseph Smith. Yeah. And it was like, why well, wasn't well, this story well, ever be... told? Why didn't? Why am I yeah. at 32 years old learning this? Like, like you would yeah. think that would be celebrated. Yeah. That she was married to the founder. She was one of the yeah. wives of the founder. And when I brought it up, it's like, oh, we don't talk about that. Just, yeah. yeah. And part of the part of the reason why is because she was already married to a man. 
You know what I mean? So it was it was one of his polyandrous. But here, but here's the thing: like her. it could have been like she never actually had any kids with Joseph Smith. Right. Like she was right. the she was older. She it was a it was just a, a a marriage to save her soul. It wasn't a marriage for him to hook up. You yeah. know. Yeah. And yeah. and it just it wasn't talked about. And so that's when I started digging. That's when I started digging into like the origin story and was so right. pissed off at the at at how. Yeah. People in our family, when I would talk about it, would mm-hmm. just say, well, we don't talk about that. That's the God works in mysterious yeah. ways, basically, kind of thing. And that's when I got angry. Right. <laughs> and it was like, right. and I had this, this, I'm like, I never experienced, like, I haven't even been to church in 20 years, and suddenly I'm pissed. Yeah. <laughs> it was weird. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then I'm reading all these stories about how these people, like, they send in their letter to the church, and like, neighbors show up and the the bishop of the of the neighborhood shows up and tries to talk you out of it and i just yeah. got a letter that was like you're out and i was like they're not going to try to save me <laughs> uh, buddy they're out and if you die you fucked <laughs> basically <laughs> so yeah yeah so yeah so that's yeah i see where you're so there are there's there's but i mean what do you think like so do you look at that moment where you were 12 years old holding your crying mm-hmm. mother as the defining moment of who you are or is that something that cha- are, are there defining moments that just build on that like yeah that's a, a good you know i've always looked at it as you know, I guess as if it's as who I am. I mean, it's got to be part. I mean, it's got to be rooted in there somewhere. Um, where, uh, yeah, actually, yeah, not like the defining moment, but it's definitely made me part of like maybe part of my temperament or part of. I, look, I've never felt really at ease in like these conversation among men's men. You know what I mean? Um, I've always kind of just felt like this, uh, really sensitive kid, you know, and, um, or, and, and when you're in those things, you, you kind of feel like a phony, right? They're, they're going to find out that I'm not really, really a tough guy. Um, and I think it's moments like that, that kind of really never almost allowed me to be, um, tough. You know what I mean? I didn't play, I didn't play um, organized sports. And I wasn't like, I was, I was, you know, the, the guy who, uh, or the kid who was dealing with the single mom and, and, uh, sister, I, you know, for a good portion of my like formative years, it was just me and our sisters, you know what I mean? And, uh, and so I've always just kind of been never super masculine in that sense. And so, um, yeah, cause so you kind of you were kind of younger, cause like, um, me and even our other brother a little bit, who are a little bit older, cause there's a sister in between, so like there's like the yeah. a kind of a big spread, like we're eight years apart, yeah. and so like even like where we grew up, I was thinking this the other day, and I, I know we've talked about it before, but that street we grew up on was so great, like yeah, <laughs> everything that's awesome. happened in life, at least I got to grow up on that street. Right. And we would play foot. We would play football in the street 
all the time, and and we play guns mm-hmm. on the neighborhood, and so like I yeah, I, so I'm and I think it was the last generation of that was allowed to go outside, <laughs> you know, yeah. and and like because I think even like you, I think I mean I think your generation was allowed, you were allowed to go outside, but that's where it was kind of stopping, you know, yeah, yeah. And and so yeah so like I I never played organized sports but like I was way into football I I didn't need to like yeah. the kids who played organized sports would like show up at the school where we were playing tackle football without pads uh-huh. I yeah. beat the shit out of them you know <laughs> and 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 so yeah so like I guess there like there wasn't that manly presence in your yeah. even though there wasn't a man father figure in my life like there were enough kids around and then even when I graduated from high school and was working at the construction company i was 19 and and Mm -hmm. that was a trip too because i worked in the office never worked as a on the in the construction field but i was you know as a driver so i was in both worlds and it's like this family run mormon family run office yeah but you'd go out with the construction workers in the field out of the site yeah (laughs) and like you had to balance that like i could i would Uh go in and i was basically playing mormon in the office and then i was going out and engaging in locker room talk in the field (laughs) totally and i kind of feel that now too like i can i mean even now in my day-to-day life if 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 the guys are sitting around at work and they're getting kind of crude i can hold my own you know and then yeah, i can yeah. turn around and there's the the women and switch right out of it right you know yeah and that's and you know and that's I, we all have our different you know personas or whatever that we have to wear but um i just um i, I the 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 rough and grumble the tough and grumble that or whatever it is um I don't feel super at ease with it. I guess there's different types. There's like there's like the the construction worker type. I actually feel quite at ease with, and, and um, a lot of my in-laws are are um, they they work in in construction trades, and that's kind of like the family. But then there's like this really macho, um, almost like broy type macho, and that stuff is completely foreign to me yeah you know yeah 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 me too i, I don't have a lot yeah. of man love because <laughs> <laughs> even the guys i go hang out with they're just a whole bunch of bunch of sissy <laughs> you know what i mean yeah, yeah so interesting interesting yeah so you're you're finding now that maybe those defining moments are fewer and far farther between. You know, I. Do you think I, it's possible I, I look, to still? Are, are you set? Is, is, is there, or or you don't want to because that means some tragedy is going to happen. I definitely, I definitely think the defining moments now are. Um, I mean, I I can see stuff with like. I, I mean, don't you think at this point it's going to be bad? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? At this point in life, if something's really going to really define you and change you, it's going to be like, okay, you're struck with an illness and you got to deal with this, or you lost somebody you loved, or or you you know you uh, you know a marriage falls apart, or or something like that, right? Whereas, I mean, what? I mean, your your kids leave the home, and I guess that's a that could be a defining moment. That can be a positive one. Yeah. You know, that could be a whole transition in life. But, uh, 
you know, or retirement, like, okay, maybe that's a defining moment, but like, that's a positive thing, but I don't know, as you get older, I think. Not necessarily retirement, it's not necessarily a positive thing. My father-in-law was kind of forced into retirement and 10 years later, he's still That's true, I mean, it it could be a, yeah, it can be, you know, it, it, it can be feeling like you're, you're getting old you know i i know like when our grandpa so i i mowed our grandfather's lawn you know for for a while and when he just started getting old and he would at first try to come out there and help and um and just over the years just couldn't do it and and eventually just never came out and but he would talk all the time about how hard it is getting old you say oh man it's just so hard getting old and that boss at that construction company i spent a lot of time with him and his final years there at the company and he was the same way. He tried to keep going, and he was losing his mind and losing his his physical ability. And and he used to say, he's like, I just my body just wants to do what I could do as when I was, as a younger man, and I just can't. And I think that um, can be really hard for people. You know, so that that boss at that construction company, mm-hmm. Dale, we'll call him Dale. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. He was, when I started there, he was like 73. He was old already. Yeah, he was an old guy. And I remember, so he was probably, at this point, he was probably 76. Mm-hmm. And I was getting into construction uh, management, project management. Yeah. yeah. And we were at this uh, post office in uh, yeah. Utah County. And we were kind of behind the scenes. And you wouldn't believe the security they have at post offices. Don't try to, like... Yeah fuck around at a post office man <laughs> no. you're uh-uh. there's they're ready for you and i remember like being like b- behind the scenes like kind of up like on this catwalk thing and there were there these one-way mirrors so like in the in the lobby of the post office there are just mirrors across the top but from the back yeah. there's people watching and there was oh. this woman down there being helped and dale uh-huh. goes Look at the bloopers on that one. There's nothing like a good set of bloopers. And I remember being so horrified that, like, we're with the postmaster. And I'm like, I'm like, are you for real? You just said that? Like, and and that's, and that's like, I guess you're right. Like, like, like I couldn't, I couldn't hang with the bros at that point because like, I was I was mortified. I was like, "Are you serious? Like, like that's that, that's like what you like like the the people would just like talk about with you, like your friends. Hey, check her out. You know what I mean? Yeah. But like to talk to the to talk to this postmaster who's like showing yeah. you around and you're getting ready to like do this project and be like nothing like a good set of bloopers. <laughs> I can't. I just. I so never I guess that understood. was a defining moment too, because that moment is stuck out where I was like, no. <laughs> No, Dale. I <laughs> uh, just cracked up about that. Is of all the terms, man, bloopers. <laughs> like, <laughs> did their grandchild come up with that? Oh no, man. I don't know. It was funny. That was yeah, oh, Dale, little Dale. I actually, I lo- I actually really, really loved Dale. He was so, so good to me. I don't know. He, he took a liking to me. I, um, he just would have me come on his projects with him and help him out a ton and. In fact, he tried to talk me out of teaching. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Glad well, I did. He was a good guy. Advice. I spent a lot of. Yeah. He, he bought me a lot of lunches at Chili's. 
Yeah, yeah, he loved that place. So, but yeah, but I just, I just, uh, it was just funny. It was just funny. <laughs> oh, Dale. So, yeah, I mean, that's something I haven't thought about in years. That's funny. These, so, I mean, so, I mean, maybe there are defining moments, too, that you don't, that aren't, like, in your brain all the time. They're just kind of hanging out below the surface. Yeah. I think memories are like that all the time, actually. Um, just, it's interesting how you can't remember something, and then somebody will talk about it, and you're like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? And, yeah. and then it sparks sparks it, and it's, it's there. Funny. Yeah. Well, man, so anyways, I think we've milked this rock. Yeah. <laughs> defining moments, I think the, the gist of it is that defining moments are bad. <laughs> defining moments are bad, but not really. Yeah, you need exactly. to. Like, like, I mean, I mean, come on, life's life. No, what would what would be the joy of life if you didn't? It didn't suck. Sometimes. Life is suffering. You know what I mean? Life is suffering. Life is suffering. Yeah. Take a, take the Buddhist approach. Life is suffering. Mm-hmm. There's, you, there's no avoiding it. Right. So, what are you going to do? Might as well learn something. Yeah. yeah. Might as well make it. Yeah. Count. It's the, and you know, that's, it's actually the final thing to say. It's like the natural, it is the natural path of growth. You know what I mean? Whether, I mean, you look at it in, in education, it's that idea of zone of proximal development. Like you can't, you, you have, something has to be educationally just a little bit out of your reach in order for you to be able to like grow. Or it's the same idea of like building muscle. You know, you don't build muscle by lifting the same weight all the time. Like you, add add intensity add weight to it you know and it's it's life's that way you don't grow without a challenge right and look at look at the so, stories we love look at the movies you love they have the happy mm-hmm. ending but you don't go see a movie and start with the happy ending yeah well why would you watch it exactly you know so I mean? I mean that's just what i'm saying there's it's just it's life is shitty yeah and it, there's Embrace pain it. around mm-hmm. every turn and then, and then when you finally have it figured out, you watch your children deal with it. <laughs> and there's nothing you can do. You start sounding like an old person. You're like, well, <laughs> that's life. <laughs> you know? Yeah. They don't want to hear that. They want answers. And it's like, well, we'll see one day. Well, and the thing I'm finding too, as my kids get older, is they don't they don't always think you have the answers. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. You can you can tell them, and they won't. I don't care anyway. Well, they got to figure it out on their own. Yeah, that's true. I don't want mom telling me how to <laughs> how to live my life. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And because I mean, times change. Like I can't understand yeah. the world my kids are living in. We're yeah, sharing the same physical space, but I don't understand their world. Right. Like I say, we were the last generation that got to go outside, so. You know, my, my, my father-in-law comes over and he can't understand how my kids are in their rooms playing video games and not outside doing something. And it's like, well, they can't go outside. So they're, that, Plus, they're in, so hot out they're there. in there with their friends. That's the, what he does. They don't realize. Yeah. Their friends, they've got friends. They, their understanding of the world is so much broader than my understanding yeah. of the world. They have friends from all over the world. Yeah. That they're all engaged in like blowing shit up, you know, on this <laughs> video game. And so like yeah. their their enemies are these 
And that's what they need. Like they need to prepare to fight the AI. You know, that's, <laughs> that's, true. <laughs> that's true. That's where, where it's all going to take place in the future. We're burning up the planet. So I know. that's another, that's another topic for another day. Yeah. We can talk about that yeah. next time. Right. So, uh, you got some more traveling you're doing? You got more things going on? Yeah. We're, um, just a little bit over this weekend and then got, um, uh, some stuff for work coming up and then, uh, I'm going to actually get work picks up for me here in a little bit. And so it's just back into the grind here pretty soon. Back into the grind. I feel real bad for yep. you, Doug. <laughs> no, isn't life horrible? <laughs> Here yeah. I've been in the grind. Just <laughs> yeah. my my life's not too hard these days. Yeah, yeah. it's just boring. That's well, good. All right, man. Well, so like I said, we won't have yeah. that long of a break before the next one, hopefully. Yeah, yeah. We'll we'll get another one going here soon. All right. Well, I will uh, okay. chat with you later. Yeah. Be a brother for the night.